Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, today we come to week number two of our series, Grace Anatomy. And I'm, I'm just curious in our, in our audience this morning, uh, how many fans of the show Grey's Anatomy are here this morning? Yeah, yeah, me neither, okay? So, yeah. Um, so, if you haven't seen the show, the show is actually built around the protagonist whose last name is Gray. And, um, and in this series, we're kind of doing uh, a play on words, and, uh, and we're taking that idea of anatomy. And so, all of us here know that anatomy is the branch of science that studies the structure and the inner workings of a living organism. When I was in school, as a teenager, I fell in love with the sciences. Uh, I'll never forget my first biology class with Mr. Epler. Um, I fell in love with the way he presented the sciences, but when we got to do our first dissection, I was hooked. We took a frog, a living organism, and we dissected it. Yes, it was dead. Are all you PETA people there today? Um, but we, we actually took these living animals that had since died and we had a chance to look at the structure, the body structure and the inner workings of those animals and I was hooked. And in this series, Grace Anatomy, we're actually dissecting the body of Christ. Pastor Josh launched our series last weekend and he actually gave us a biblical construct for the body of Christ, the church. So the church is not a network of relationships. Although we are comprised of wonderful community of of diverse relationships. The church is not a social agency, though the church, when it does its job, actually is meeting felt needs within its community. The church is not a spiritual experience, though we pray you have them from time to time. But none of those things really capture what the church is. The church, according to Scripture, is a body. And as a body, the church functions together in its unique parts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Did you know that your body was formed from one cell? It's true. Every single part of your body came from one single cell that reproduced. You did not just say, I want an arm from over there, and I think I'll choose that leg over here, and I'll simply patch them onto my body with some Elmer's glue. That's not how your body was put together. Your body was uniquely put together because God placed a single cell that became you that reproduced. Now that's not just true of our human bodies. It's also true of the spiritual body, the body of Christ. We are formed as a body from one single point of origin. 
from one cell. We became the body of Christ not as an artificial organization that simply arbitrarily picked people and patched them together. It is God's spirit that does the work and, and did the work to put his body together the way that he desired it to be. And it's really important for us to understand this because we are not an organization. The body of Christ is not an institution. The body of Christ is a living, breathing organism created by God. Without your physical body, you are a formless spirit. People may sense you, but they can't see you. And God wanted there to be a visible representation of his presence here on earth. And so he created the body of Christ. This is profound. It's the reason the scripture teaches us that in Jesus, God became flesh and lived among us. For the very first time, God could be experienced God could be felt in a tangible way through a physical body. Finally, people could see God. Finally, they could hear God. They could reach out and touch him. And the Bible says that what God did in Jesus Christ is God confines and limits his work on earth to a physical body. And just like in Jesus, God continues to confine his work on the earth to his body, the body of Christ. There's no plan B. God does not have some other plan to reach and touch planet earth. God decided to do it through the physical body of Jesus that when he went back to the Father, he would send his Holy Spirit and he would impart his spirit into people that would actually form the body of Christ physically and tangibly here on the earth. We are part of one body. But verses 19 and 20 tell us this in 1 Corinthians. How strange a body would it be if it had only one part? Yes, there are many parts, but there is only one body. This morning, I want to take our brief time together, and I'd like to focus on just one aspect of the body. Dare I say this morning, it is the most important part of the body. I want to focus this morning on the head. Now, I've seen a lot of strange things in my lifetime, but I have yet to see a body that is alive that has no head. That may work in video games. You may see it in a zombie movie somewhere. Ichabod Crane may be it. But the reality is there is no body that is alive that doesn't have a head. And the head was not placed where it is cosmetically. It was placed where it is strategically. God wanted to fashion our bodies with the head at the top, so that everything else would strategically flow from and flow out of the head. Now, there are three strategic roles 
that your head and my head play in our bodies. First of all, the head is the life of the body. Now, I know what some of you are secretly asking right now. You're asking, isn't the heart the life of the body? Without the head, your heart stops beating. So it's fair to say that the head is really the life of the body. Secondly, the head controls the senses of the body. Now, God engineered each one of us with these amazing five senses, right? You can see, you hear, you smell, you taste, and you touch. All of those are gifts from God. But have you ever stopped to consider that none of those senses would actually function without the head? Here's what I mean. You don't see with your eyes, you see with your head. You don't hear with your ears. It's simply a tool that is used. But you, you hear with your head. The same is true of smell and taste and touch. In fact, I would suggest to us this morning that every single bodily function is controlled by the head. When you leave church this morning, you are not walking with your feet. You are walking with your head. The head controls the senses of the body. And thirdly, the head provides direction for the body. Your body does not arbitrarily decide which direction it is going to travel. It is the head that actually makes that decision, sends impulses and signals to the body, and the body follows suit and begins to travel in that direction. So I, I try to do a lot of walking. And every so often I like to break up my walk and I'll actually begin to walk or jog backward. I have not yet figured out how to get my head to turn around. And so it's not natural for me. It's not easy for me to do it. I'm not an owl that can turn my head 270 degrees without breaking and bursting blood vessels. It just doesn't work. And I don't have eyes in the back of my head. So though I can do it for short spurts, the reality is the direction of my body will always follow what the head tells it to do. Now listen, it's fair to say this morning that without your head, your body is lifeless, senseless, and directionless. That is not just true in a physical sense. It is also true in a spiritual sense. The body of Christ is the church. The body of Christ has a head. And the head of the body of Christ is the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means this. Through the head Jesus, the body of Christ receives its life. Through the head, Jesus Christ, the body senses what God is up to. It is through the head, the Lord Jesus Christ, that the body gets its direction and moves accordingly. It takes the body following 
the head to do what it's been designed to do. Now, there are two scriptures that really punctuate this that we want to look briefly at this morning. The first is found in Colossians chapter 1 and actually says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Don't miss that. He, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. But also don't miss what precedes that. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I was captivated a number of months back when the news reports began to come out about a new discovery. Scientists, for centuries, have been looking for the origin, for the beginning point of life, for the beginning point of the world and our universe. And then several months ago, This news report came out that scientists have detected what they called, what they called, the first light fingerprint in the universe. I thought it was fascinating. Because the very first words that God ever spoke, do you remember what they are? Let there be light. And there was light. Scientists in that statement, are corroborating something that we have known because Scripture teaches it. The first light fingerprint was not put there by anyone other than God. God began this universe with his fingerprint. Think about that. Before a fingerprint was ever placed into a human body, it was placed into the universe. He put it there. And from every single man that's ever been created, every human being that's ever come, from Adam and Eve to the child that will be born in the next two minutes, every single one is going to be etched with a unique fingerprint, a unique signature of God on it. Your body shares no other fingerprint that's identical of anyone else in the world. That means that your body has been uniquely created. It's different than any other body that exists anywhere. That's not just true humanly. It's true for the body of Christ. God, when God formed Grace Crossing Church, God gave Grace Crossing Church a unique signature, a unique fingerprint. We don't share a fingerprint with any other church that has ever existed or any church that will ever be born after us. The reality is we have a unique, one-of-a-kind fingerprint. We are making our unique contribution to the work of God's kingdom here in the world, specifically in this community. And we don't share it with anyone else. And it wasn't designed by us. It was designed by God. There's another verse I want you to see in Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 22 to 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ 
and has made him head over all things. Notice this, for the benefit of the church. He's become the head, and he's been given authority for our benefit, not for his. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Now, what this verse lifts out is another important function of the head. The other important function of the head is the head is the seat of authority. If it were not for your head, the rest of the members of your body would be fighting for dominance and control. Your legs would be trying to walk over every other part of the body to prove its significance. Your fingers, they would be dominating and controlling the other fingers, trying to get the upper hand, and I bet you can guess which finger would win that battle without the head. The reality is this. It is the head that brings authority to every single part of the body. So it is with Christ. In Jesus Christ, the authority is established, which just means this. Jesus Christ is the first and final authority for what the body does and where the body goes. It is up to the head to determine what the body does and where the body goes. Beautiful illustration of this is found in another example of the head with the body that we find in Scripture. And that example is a shepherd to the sheep. So that we don't lose the significance that this is a relational thing. It is not a mechanical thing. God gives us this other beautiful illustration of the relationship of the body of Christ to the Lordship and the head of Jesus. And that example is given to us in Psalm 23, the very first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Did you know the first job of the shepherd is to guide and to provide for the sheep? That's the emphasis of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is not an end-of-life eulogy. Psalm 23 is for we that are alive and well. It is to remind us that we are in relationship with a shepherd who loves us. Yes, he's in charge. Yes, he's leading. Yes, he's guiding. But the reality is, we are sheep, all of us. And we have a, a shepherd. I say this often, so if you've been to Discover GCC, which is our luncheon for newcomers, you perhaps have heard me say this at one point. But if you haven't, it's worth all of us knowing this and embracing this truth. Grace Crossing Church has one head pastor, and it isn't me. The head pastor of Grace Crossing Church is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, my title may be lead pastor, but my primary responsibility is to follow the shepherd. And that's not just true of me. It's true of all that are called to be vocational pastors. We are all called as under shepherds to the chief shepherd, to the great shepherd, to the one who has the responsibility. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He didn't say I'd build it. He didn't say he'd build it for me. He said he'd build it. 
He's the one responsible. This is his church. He loves it. And he promised he would do that. Jesus takes that idea of the Lord being our shepherd. And he, he says this in John's gospel when he talks about who he is. John chapter 10, verses 14 through 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock. And there shall be one shepherd. Four times in the opening of Jesus' words, he uses the word know, K-N-O-W. He says, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, just as I know the Father, and the Father knows me. Now in the Greek language, there are two words that are used for the word know or knowledge. One word speaks of factual intellectual knowledge. The other one, speaks of experiential knowledge. Guess which word is used? Experienced. What the Bible here is suggesting is, the, is that the only way Jesus could say, I'm the good shepherd, is for Jesus to also say, I am intimately acquainted and in relationship with the sheep. Don't let that word intimate scare you. The word intimate just means near, close, or familiar. How do we become near, close, and familiar to someone? Through shared experiences. That's how intimacy is created, through shared experiences. And that's what Jesus here is saying. He's saying, I know you and you will know me as we share experiences together. So a number of years ago, when I was in Romania, I was doing ministry in the capital, which is Bucharest, in the south-central part of Romania. And I was driving all the way north to a community called Cluj, and on my way there, I'll never forget this image. It's, it's been etched in my mind ever since I saw it. And here's what I saw along the countryside as we were traveling north through the hills. I remember driving by the shepherd with his sheep, and I remember saying to my host, I said, I, I'm just kind of curious, why is the shepherd wearing sheepskin? And I thought his response was going to be, because the shepherd needs to stay warm. That's not what he said. He said, oh, the reason that the shepherd wears the sheepskin is the shepherd wants the sheep to know that he's close, that he's near. And the sheep know that the shepherd's close because they can pick up their own scent. When the Bible says Jesus became flesh and he came and dwelt among us, he lived here, he put on himself this stuff called flesh. He wrapped himself in it so that we could know that he understands and he knows us. So that we could be in this intimate relationship with this good shepherd, this great shepherd, this chief shepherd. We can know that he is familiar with all of our ways. 
You see, the shepherd has a responsibility. And that responsibility is to be close enough to the sheep to lead the sheep. But listen to what I'm about to say. It is the sheep's responsibility to stay close enough to the shepherd to listen and follow. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. We will lovingly follow the truth at all times. Speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. And so become more and more in every way like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. Under his direction. The whole body is fitted together perfectly. Each part in its own special way helps the other parts so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. As I bring my talk to a conclusion this morning, here's my challenge to you. Are you willing to lovingly follow the truth at all times? And at all costs. When the head says, go in that direction, will you submit? And will you follow? Or will you revolt in protest? When the shepherd speaks, will you attune to the shepherd's voice as a sheep? And will you follow wherever he leads? There's only one shepherd, but there are plenty of sheep. You are a sheep. I am a sheep before I'm a shepherd. And each one of us must stay close enough to the good shepherd to follow wherever he leads. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm grateful this morning. I'm grateful because we, as your body, can sense the presence of our shepherd when we gather. We sense your nearness. We understand why Acts teaches us that in him, in Jesus, we live, we move, we have our being. Our very life, our very senses, our very direction comes from the head, from the good shepherd. So God, help each one of us to be willing to follow the truth at all times, your leadership in all times and at all costs. Thank you for being not just the control center, the authority of the body, but thank you for living in our flesh so that we could sense your presence and know that you identify with us. You know us intimately. And we're grateful for that. I pray that you'll help us as a body to continue to align to your direction as you lead us into our future. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net.
We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.